All right, it's good to be together. Good to see everybody up here. We got Amory up here two weeks in a row here, so we're we're rolling. But uh, we're excited to uh, be together. I know some of you may or may not be excited about school starting or school having already started. But uh, it is awesome that uh, we have so many teachers here in the church, and I know God is gonna gonna use you. We're gonna be praying for Him to really use you. Uh, as you go out into your job and into the world and as well as for all of us here. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Luke chapter 4, From Praise to Profit. And it, it, it caught me, before I get into that, I just want to say that last week was really cool. Uh, we got to have different times of prayer during the service. We had like four different times of prayer just with our neighbors and you know, it was, it was really fun, and, you know, sometimes when you try something new, you're wondering, like, okay, how is this going over? Like, is this working, you know? Are people connecting? And it was great to hear people getting to really connect with their neighbors in a special way and, you know, to really, you know, be in depth in a small way. And, and after, after uh, church, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Johnny, and he was sharing to me one of his prayers there. I hope it's okay to share this, man. But uh, he shared that he would, him and his daughter's relationship would be better. And so they were here at church. They're praying. After he gets done with church or somewhere really soon afterwards, he got a call and said that he, his daughter went into his work that day looking for him and trying to connect. And it just hit me like, wow. It shouldn't surprise us, right? But it's just cool to hear that God is answering. Sometimes, literally, as we're praying it, he's answering it. And so I don't know the whole timing, if Johnny was praying it as she was walking in or if she walked in before, but the fact that just that God listens to our prayers was an amazing uh, reminder and a good reminder for all of us. And uh, we're, we're encouraged. We, you know, Chloe's not here today, but she's been in town, so we've been getting to hang out. And uh, you can pray for us as we're trying to go on a really big hike this week. Uh, so I'm not sure what it's going to be, but you'll find out soon. But pray for us that we, 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 uh, we make it. Um, that's our thing, to be able to uh, connect as we die on the mountain together. Uh, it's kind of what we do. Well, one thing I wanted to share... And I know a lot of you know, and some of you maybe not yet, but that the Justin, Justine and Jason Alexander have accepted our offer to come help build the church here in Desert Cities. And they're going to be, amen. And we're super excited about them coming. And they don't, they're not wasting any time. They're going to be here next Sunday. And starting, they, they're going to be renting a place over in Palm Springs. Uh, for a year right off Vista Chino and Sunrise, and we're just excited to have them, to have some more partners here, and I know that God is really going to use them. And let me tell you, when we were in Orlando, there were so many people looking for ministers, we felt like, man, we scored, that we got a really great couple, and God, the reason they wanted to come here was really because of all of you, because of their time here, because of just the time connecting with uh, the core leaders and others, and uh, really wanting to uh, use their gifts. And Roy is excited, too, that he's also a worship leader, so he's going to be able to help out with worship, too. And uh, so we're, we're fired up about that. And how many of us are going camping next weekend? 
Oh, man, it's going to be fun. If you would like to go camping and don't have a tent, you're in luck. We have so many people with tents, you're, you're covered. I see somebody laughing back there. I won't call them out by name. But uh, if you are not a camper, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I said you didn't have to raise your hand, but you did it anyway. So, well, at least I know two people that don't like camping. Um, really, the, this is not, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's really not about camping. This is not about camping. It's about getting to hang out with everybody. We come here. It's always such a rush that we just get to hang out, have fellowship. So if you are not a camper, just come up Saturday. Come up in the morning, go home when it's dusk, or go home after the worship time, and just, you don't have to set up a tent, you don't have to sleep, you can sleep in your own bed, you can get McDonald's on the way up if you don't like camping food or whatever you like. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to throw it out there that it really is a great opportunity. Uh, we even, the, the Alexanders are actually going to come to, their very first appearance is going to be at Big Bear, so we told them just to come. They're not going to be camping, but they are going to be hanging out a little bit on Saturday just to meet everybody uh, in a fun way. So with all that being said, let's say a prayer and we'll get started here. Uh, Father, we do. We thank you for opportunities like today. We get to be together. We get to look into your word. I pray even now that we are the prayers that we're praying to you, that you're answering the, the things that we need in our lives, God, that you provide them for us, God. And I pray that you. Uh, use this next little bit of time to really inspire us, to help us to get closer to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to be reading in Luke chapter 4, in verse 14 to 21. And uh, let me get a Bible here. That probably would help. Luke 4, 14. And we've been studying out this passage and really looking at Jesus' first sermon after he was tempted in the desert. Because I believe this is really a lot of his heart and what his entire ministry was about. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And Jesus began his ministry. And he outlined his heart for the poor, his heart for the oppressed, for those that are in need, that are blind. And as Aaron mentioned a couple weeks ago, these are are all in physical ways, but really all these are in spiritual ways too. 
that they're spiritually blind, that they're spiritually oppressed, that they're chained up to their life of sin, and he came to break it, all that and change it. And my first point is everyone praised him. I've been reading this passage for about a month now, two months now, and this is the first time that that stuck out to me. That before I was focused on, okay, what is Jesus doing and what is his heart and why did God send him and what is he, how does he put that into practice? And that little line stood out in verse 15. It says, everyone praised him. And then in verse 22, it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. And it just hit me that, you know, that's what we all want. I know that I can't speak for you, but I could speak for me. If I'm real honest, I would love for everyone to praise me. Not right now. That sounds a little much, but just like me, right? We want people to like us. I mean, when you walk in to see someone, you want them to look at you with the scowl and just say, I hate you. No, I mean, we want them to light up and say, man, I can't wait. I'm so happy to see you. I've been waiting to see you. And they, uh, you know, give us a hug or a, a joke or a smile. And that's how we want to be received. I'm sure that was how Jesus wanted to be received, too. And yet I realize so many, so much of the Christian life is not necessarily that way. We can spend so much of our lives, there's so many books out on this, right? When, when, people, are bigger, when people are big and God is small. Where it should be the other way around. God is big and people are small, but sometimes it can be the other way around where we spend our lives trying to make our boss happy, trying to make our family happy, trying to make our spouse happy, trying to make our kids happy. Good luck with that. <laughs> you know, and we can lose ourselves where at some point we don't even know who we are because we're just trying to make people happy. We just want approval. And yet God is looking and sometimes going, hey, what about me? And yet... Sometimes we think the Christian life is going to be like this, right? Where you just, you won the World Series, you just won the gold medal, and you're walking down Broad Street, and everybody's just going, man, this is incredible. You're a Christian. You serve the living God. Your life is radically different. I can't, I, I am amazed by God through your life, right? Isn't that what we would wish that would happen? And every once in a while it does. Every once in a while, people see it or people comment on it or, you know, God does an amazing miracle or, you know, we have a loved one that's raised out of the hospital or, you know, there's some incredible thing. Our marriage gets restored and people sit there and just are amazed. And yet we want that to be all the time. I know I do. That'd be every day just wake up and have like a parade of, of, for being a Christian. That would be awesome. And Jesus kind of had that, where he was walking through. Everybody's like, oh, this guy's amazing. Blessed be the, the, your mother. You're so awesome. Your words are so gracious. And yet, even 
with that, he still didn't change who he was. That wasn't what he was looking for. The devil had just offered him everything. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not giving up who I am for that. I'm not giving up who I am for a praise, even though it feels good in the moment. And yet, I don't want to live that way, and I hope that you don't either. Just to make your next-door neighbor happy. Let's live to make God happy. Amen? Point number two. Jesus was influenced by the words of God. Jesus was influenced by the words of God. I mean, that seems pretty obvious, right? He, he was the word of God, so obviously he was influenced by the word of God. When God spoke, Jesus listened, right? But no, he really was influenced by the word of God. When he read that the Spirit anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, that wasn't just an old Bible verse from Isaiah. That was him thinking, how do I live that out? How do I bring good news to the poor? Who's poor? Where are the poor? How can I meet the needs of the poor spiritually, physically? That he read the, the words, but he took them to heart. Just as he wants us to read the words and take it to heart. Who are the poor? How can I bring good news to the poor? What does that even mean to bring good news to the poor? How does God want to use me to do that? Not just to read it on a page, but to bring good news to the poor. I'm sure good news to the poor involves meeting their needs. I'm sure it involves... Helping them to get forgiveness for their sins. But Jesus did both. He didn't just say, oh, be forgiven, but now you're hungry. No, he, he met their needs. He, he brought good news to the poor. It's just a little thing, but it means so much. It says to bring freedom, proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Jesus took that to heart. Who is, who's chained up? Who's stuck? Who, who is imprisoned? Who is hopeless? I don't know about you, but when I start getting too deep into it, I start getting overwhelmed. Like, oh man, now I gotta go break people's chains. I gotta help people that are suffering. I gotta get down in there. And yeah, yeah, I do. But I don't want to. But that's what God wants me to do. I mean, I have a dilemma. What I want to do and what God's calling me to do. And Jesus grabbed onto it. Will you grab onto God's mission for you or will you fight it? I don't know about that. That sounds good, but I, uh, that's hard. That's emotional. Yes, it is. Recovery of sight for the blind. Now, I know Jesus could do that one. I don't think that that's going to be done by us anytime soon. Making somebody literally see. I mean, but he did that. But we can help change people's perspectives. We can help them to see God in a different way. We can help them to think differently. Shame on us if we stop learning. If we 
never see anything new in the scriptures, if we never do anything different, if we just want to go back, then we're not really seeing new things. There's so much that we don't know in the scriptures. And it's exciting when you find something new. I'm afraid sometimes we're not even looking for anything new. We're just looking for what we've always done. That's not very Jesus-like. And that's not very disciple-like because the disciples are always learning, growing, changing. To set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, how can we love? How can we heal? How can we listen, serve, and bless people that are around us? I pray that we take that to heart, that every day we take the word of the Lord to heart. How can I see God in this, but how can, I, how can he lead me in this direction? How can I somehow do this in a small way? I don't have any big, great examples for this. But a couple weeks ago, we got back and we went to the grocery store. We hadn't gone in a couple weeks. So we had like, it was packed up. You know, you buy them at Walmart and they bring them out to your car. So it was about five and a half feet tall, big bins. And this woman comes pulling it across the parking lot and she hits the grate that's in the middle of the, the drainage grate. And the thing stops and the top two boxes just go flying off the cart. I'm looking at it in my mirror. Everything's going everywhere. The, uh, the laundry detergent just burst, right? So it's just everywhere. Like five bags are just destroyed. There's laundry detergent everywhere. This woman is falling apart, right? She's just in shambles, apologizing. She goes back in. She comes back out. Um, Got, has all the new stuff, and she's trying not to get the laundry detergent on it because it got all over the cart. And I don't think she hit the grate, but the eggs fall off, like at the very last second. And I'm just, it's just, it's comical at this point. I mean, I'm just like, not laughing at her, but with her, right? I mean, it's just like, this lady is having a horrible day. She comes to my car window, and she's just frazzled. And I was like, you know what? It's all good, man. I'll wait. It's not a problem. I gave her a big tip. And I don't usually share stories like that make me look good. But I was just like, man, this, how can I change this person's day? And I think just by us looking around, how can we change someone's day? How can we show them Christ? How can we... Make them smile. How can we, maybe that turned her day or not, I don't know. But at least God gave me that opportunity. And I pray that we're looking for that, that we're not so stressed out trying to do all the things that we need to do that we miss. That, I don't even know what happened because nine times out of ten, I would have probably been just as frustrated as as the person. Like, I'm waiting here for 45 minutes trying to get my stuff. But for whatever it was... God gives us opportunities to bring favor into the world. Let's keep reading. To take the word of the Lord to heart. He said, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. 
And you will tell me, do it here, do here in your hometown what we've heard you've did in Capernaum. But truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And when you read that, it doesn't really seem like they're that upset at Jesus. But that one little line, isn't this Joseph's son? Is I think what did it for him where they were... They knew, isn't that the guy that we grew up with? Isn't that the one that fixed the house next door? Isn't that, don't we know his brothers and sisters? Like, who is he to say that he's fulfilling scripture? Like, no, that's not right. And many of us have experienced similar things when we get so familiar. We can do it with our own parents, right? We get so frustrated with our parents just because we're around them all the time and they're always telling us what to do, we feel, and it's all, and they're trying to help us. And we're so familiar that we lose that respect. We lose the fact that these are the people that care about us more than anyone else in the world. These are the people that will die for us. And we're all the same way. And yet they lost that view of Christ that they rejected him. And yet, that didn't affect Jesus. Whether they were praising him or rejecting him, it didn't... I'm sure it hurt him, but he was still focused on, what does God want me to be? Who does he want me to be? You know, we just went home to Florida for my nephew's wedding, and this is kind of our crew here, and they look all great when they're all dressed up like that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's amazing with your own family when you look at them and you go one by one. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's people in that picture that don't talk to each other. There's people that are married that live in the same house. There's people that are, I mean, there's people that are frustrated with each other. There's one cousin that's not there because he doesn't get along. His wife doesn't get along with, you know, there's all kind of stuff going on. And I'm little Scotty when I'm there. (laughs) Nobody cares what I say at all. I was the youngest of all the cousins, so it's almost like they're patting me on the head every whole time I'm there. And it's so frustrating. But it gives you a little bit of idea of how we might be looked at in our own family sometimes. The people you care about the most the people that you really want to see Christ, the ones that you really want to, you want all the best for them, and sometimes it, they think you're great, and other times they could care less. And it gave me that idea, man, that's, it's hard when your family doesn't even accept it. It's hard when even the people you're closest to that you want to get it don't get it. I'm sure that was tempting for Jesus. Like, man, what am I even doing this for? My own hometown? They don't even like me in my own high school. And my own friends, my own family at the time. But then he explains a little bit more about what that passage that he read was. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. 
Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to Widom and Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Now, you've got to kind of think about that for a minute. Like, for us, that's kind of a random story, right? What is Jesus saying? He's saying Elijah wasn't sent to the people that he lived with. God sent him to someone else. You see the connection? I'm with you, but you're not accepting me, so he's going to send me to someone else. You know, no, I'm not going to do the thing I did in Capernaum here with you, not because I don't want to, but because you won't let me. Because this woman accepted Elijah, and yet his hometown rejected him. They, re- they, they rejected, they accepted a prophet, and they, his hometown rejected the prophet. They didn't just reject the word of God. They rejected the actual word of God. That was standing right in front of them. And he says, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. That's what it means to help the oppressed. That's what it means to bring good news to the poor, to break those who are not... He wasn't even part of God's people. He didn't even have a chance. And yet God listened to his faith. Because Naaman heard about this prophet from his servant, and he took a trip over to visit him, and he heard the words from the prophet, and initially he hated it. And then he humbled himself, and he did it. He listened to the word of God. Maybe Jesus is thinking, I know you're going to hate, you're hating this, but maybe you will humble yourself too. Because he wasn't done with them. This is just the very first time. Very first sermon. That leads me to my point number three. God, he trusted God with his life and his mission. He trusted God with his life and his mission. It says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus trusted God with his life. Can you imagine? You go through the desert... You overcome Satan himself with the word of God and you get attended by angels. And then your very first sermon, and it's supposed to be a homecoming, they try to kill you. I would be thinking like, I'm done. Like, wait a second, like I get like 30 minutes of uh, everybody loves me and now they want to kill me? I got to do this again tomorrow? Next week? That's crazy. But Jesus trusted God with his life. Today's not my time. I'm not going to worry about this because today's not my time. I'm on God's time. I'm not on my time. Me, myself, I probably would have been on my time. I probably would have had to like, spend time with God for like a week before I go out of my house again after this. 
hiding. But he trusted God with his life and his mission. He didn't give in to fear. He didn't give in to praise. He didn't give in to fear. He only let himself be influenced by God. I would have loved to see him walk right through the crowd. I don't know how he did that, but maybe it was pretty cool. But the fact that he just walked through and didn't retaliate, that impresses me. You're the son of God. You're fulfilling prophecy, and they try to kill you. I mean, I would at least push them out of the way a little bit. But that's why I'm not Jesus, and he is. He was able to humble himself even towards people that hated him. Even towards people that he knew that he grew up with that hated him. And he knew how much they needed God. He knew how much they were enslaved themselves. And he still, I mean, I would have probably thrown out a few remarks. Like, yeah, if you were this, you probably, you need Jesus. You know, you, you need to be forgiven. Let me tell you why. He just walked right through him and gave him another chance. Praise God for that. The, next, the very next week, he went on to Capernaum. And he, I don't know if he gave the same sermon. It seemed like a pretty good sermon. He probably would have wanted to do it again. And it said that he did heal people there. He healed the demon-possessed man right in church. Imagine you're in his hometown and you hear that the next week he does the same sermon and he does miracles. I mean, what are you going to do? You either have to choose to humble yourself or you're going to get more mad. And so I pray that today that we humble ourselves before Jesus. Sometimes he's going to tell us things that we don't want to hear. We want him to do this, and he's going to do that. And yet we need to trust him with our lives, with our, with our everything, with our families, with our mission, that he has got our back in every situation, that we're never alone, even though we can feel it at times. What does it take for you to get distracted from loving God and loving people. Do you forget about that when people praise you? Because you don't want to mess it up? Do you forget about that when people hate you because you're so busy trying to figure out how you're going to survive or retaliate? Jesus stayed focused on his loving God and loving people and doing God's work. And I pray that we can do the same. I just summarized that, so there you go. You can see it again. Let's not be people that get praise from men or women or family members. Let's be people that listen to the word deeply, that we go into our times with God knowing that he's going to lead us somewhere. And let's trust God with our life and our mission, even when it's hard, even when it's a struggle. Go through the Gospels and look at how many times did Jesus have struggles in his life? 
in his ministry. And what did he do? I mean, people were leaving. People were trying to kill him as he was here. People were talking behind his back. People were doubting. And every single time he trusted God and he continued going towards the cross to ultimately fulfill the scripture that we read today. To bring good news to the poor. To bring freedom for the prisoners. To bring recovery of sight for the blind. And to release the oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when you go back and look at that, that should apply to you and every single one of those. Because that's what Jesus came to do, to set us free. And as we think about him dying on the cross and him raising again and take communion, let's be grateful for what what he's done for us. And let's be forgiven for the ways that we get taken all over the world through praise and criticism that we can be focused on God and his word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We, We know that we need you. We know, I know that I can be so led by what people think or what pe- whether good or bad. God, help us to walk in a way that pleases you. To, to stop long enough to listen to you, to, to reflect on you, to, to open ourselves to people that are trying to follow you, that we can be helped by those around us. Help us not to harden our heart when Jesus wants us to go a different way than we want to go but really live for him and humble ourselves. Thank you for him dying for us. Thank you for him shedding his body and his blood and for raising from the dead. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.